As hilarious as that music may sound, it is not how I want to kick off my podcast. Welcome to the Michael Aldrich Comedy Podcast. It's going to be so much fun where he makes humor of himself and the many things in New York City. Oh, and by the way, this is not the voice of Bruno. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Michael Oldroyd Comedy Podcast, episode 8091, and that means episode 91. Now, I, now I'm sounding like Donald Trump, where he uh, stumbles on his own words very often. I'm on episode 8091, episode 91 of the Michael Oldroyd Comedy Podcast. Welcome, uh, 91 episodes in. Today is the day of Super Bowl 54 and uh, the game has been concluded so um, as I'm recording this the game has completed uh, and we've begun the great show of the masked singer which I'm obviously not watching because I'm focusing on creating this podcast and it sounds like the dumbest show of all time Niners Chiefs, you guys know my history, if you know me at all, that I grew up the the biggest Niner fan you could ever be, Uh, and um, seven years ago when they moved to Candlestick, I uh, lost, uh, I felt they lost a piece of their soul, so I um, still stayed stayed in touch, kept tabs, but I just wasn't quite the same, unfortunately. The heart wasn't, the, the soul, I guess you could say, of what I felt the San Francisco 49ers were to me growing up had had kind of shed it shed itself in, in a lot of ways. I don't think souls can molt, you know what I mean? You can molt your 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 external, the skin surface, the physical, but you can't really molt a soul. And I felt like the the 49ers molted their soul when they uh you know, when they moved to uh I don't even know where they I've never been to the new stadium. I've never been there. So uh, so I didn't take the loss as hard as I did last time we lost the Super Bowl. Um, you know, last time we lost was when Colin Kaepernick took us there when he was uh, early in his career and still had a lot of promise and everyone was excited to see what he could do. And, uh, you know, that was a really big deal. And when the Niners lost, I didn't even know that was possible that the Niners could lose when they go to the Super Bowl. And uh, it really shook me up at the time. Right now, I'm actually, uh, I feel pretty healthy. I feel solid. Uh, My stool is still solid. It's not uh, wet. Uh, And I'm happy for the Chiefs fans. Like I mentioned before, maybe even last week, I got a lot of friends in Missouri and Kansas who, uh, you know, I'm I'm very happy for them. It's a a big deal. It's one of those deals that uh, sometimes doesn't even come once in a lifetime to have your team that you've been loyal to. Not that everybody's loyal. In fact, there's a lot of people that aren't loyal. But there are some far and few between fans out there in the universe that stay true to their teams. I know some some Chiefs fans myself that uh, I'm really happy to see it go to people like them. And you know that the benefit that a state like Missouri and Kansas can get from uh, you know from this type of win. So uh, kind of a win-win. I'm wearing a Joe Montana jersey today. Uh, over my robe because you know I wanted to be comfortable. I'm wearing a Joe Montana 49ers jersey, though he did play for both the Chiefs and the Niners. I don't know if you guys knew that, but the the the, the big football fans out there know that Joe Montana finished his career in Kansas City, 
after a, an injury against the New York Giants, actually. I forget who it was, whether it was Lawrence Taylor or somebody. There was a pretty big hit on my, Montana one season, and it was his last season with the Niners, and he was injured pretty badly, and the, the Chiefs picked him up. So uh, I saw that Montana was uh, repping both teams, you know, uh, on social media. And uh, who would have thought Joseph Montana would get on Twitter, huh? I guess social media is really taking over the world, guys, you know? <laughs> but it was, uh, it was a great game. You know, I thought both teams played hard. They both seemed uh, like they were playing on their heels at first. They both seemed very nervous. You know, they both uh, obviously gave a shit and wanted to win, and uh, they both came out a little bit timid. I felt like they were both kind of skating around on on uh they were treading water uh for the first bit and the Niners were the first to get some momentum on their side and get the upper hand I feel and you know uh they had a 10 point lead at one point and I didn't get too excited because football is a crazy game where anything can happen the Chiefs know how to come back they've shown that so um though I thought that the uh Niners were getting ready to take off uh, it did not happen in the way that I expected. So you guys saw the game. You don't need me to recap everything about the game to you. But I think the, the unique thing about listening to this is, though you did see the game, uh, you get to hear about um, a, a true football fan, a lover of the game and player of the game who uh, grew up as big of a 49ers fan as you possibly can and someone who has lived in the Bay Area of California, as well as Kansas City. Lived in Missouri half my life, so it is, uh, I'm very connected to both teams. Obviously, I was, you know, sporting the Niners, but uh, if you, I did put out a video before the game to mark my words that I truly didn't care that much who won. I just wanted to see a good game, and if the Chiefs did end up winning, I'd be really happy for those loyal fans. Um, Niners know what it feels like to taste that greatness. You know, we've, we've been there and, uh, you know, it's nice to see uh, hard work rewarded and um, good people. You know, Patrick's just a, a very likable person, and so is Andy Reid. And uh, I have more friends that have played for the Chiefs than the Niners. However, I've had the luxury of, uh, you know, uh, of having teammates that played for both teams. And uh, it's just kind of cool to have that connection still. Uh, so... With that said, you guys watch did you did you watch that post game show with Nick Cannon hosting? I'm surprised his gay boyfriend didn't come out and you know host the show with him side by side. You know, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you guys have seen that. I don't know if it's just a rumor or not, but some dude uh, is claiming that uh, he's Nick Cannon's secret lover, and the dude seems pretty athletic. He looked like he could have played in the Super Bowl. He looks like more of an alpha male than Nick Cannon, which is hilarious. Uh, but I guess it explains Nick Cannon's head headgear over the last year or so. He's worn some interesting headgear. And uh, if that is true, I'd say uh, it explains that. Hey, are you guys going to hate me for making a freaking joke? Jeez, you know. Um, my brother would probably be R-O-F-L right now, and he loves gay jokes, and he's gay, so, you know, it gives me immunity. I got the 23andMe test back, and I'm part Native American. Very excited about that, because I can make Chiefs jokes. 
Uh, I can make all kinds of jokes now uh, about a, a race that I didn't get to used to be able to do. Same thing with I'm actually part African, and I've got the 23 and me to back it up, baby. So bring on the African humor, the African-American humor. Uh, part of my motherland is Africa, or my fatherland, whichever. And I do feel just a little bit more worldly, you know. It's pretty cool to uh, to know that, you know, we all started in Africa. If I'm not mistaken, I believe we did in Wakanda. No, I. Uh, anyway, so I am excited. I've I've got a lot of Asian, a lot of European, uh, pretty much everywhere except India, the country. And uh, my buddy heard of Paul, growing up, my best friend and my my, my good buddy Muckle Maholtra, who I've reconnected with recently on Instagram. Uh, those guys are my antidote for Indian jokes. Uh, I have just enough Indian friends to do an Indian accent. Uh, I'm not going to do it for you because I feel like actually doing it might be crossing the line, but only behind closed doors. All right. Um, I am behind closed doors right now. I'm in a closet recording this podcast because the acoustics are amazing, and there's clothes hanging up here that acts like uh, those things that you put in, a, in an actual recording studio on the walls that help muffle the sound. So this is as professional. It also has a big pile of stinky clothes that need to be washed. But, hey, you deal with it, right? Because you want it to be a, a good product that you put out there. So I am wearing... If I ever record a podcast and I sound like this, it means I'm wearing a clothes pin on my nose because I want to make sure that I don't pass out while recording the podcast in my closet. All right. Anyway, uh, Jessica was here watching the Super Bowl, my my roommate and ex-girlfriend, as you guys may or may not know. She was going to go uh, watch it with a friend tonight, and I guess she got lost on her way there. Her phone died, so she came home and, and watched <laughs> three-fourths of the game here with Papa, Papa Bear. Um, anyway, though... Uh, if I think her singing has died down, but I could hear her singing along uh, with the Masked Singer show for a while. So she was. Uh, in fact, I, I recorded her singing, and I'm going to play that for you guys now because uh, I want you to get a to get a glimpse of her beautiful and sweet voice. So this is uh, Jessica singing candidly without knowing that I was secretly recording her. She bang, she bang. Oh, baby, would she move, she move. Oh, baby, would she look like a flower, but she sing like a bee. Like every girl in his story. She bang, she bang. <laughs> awesome, thank you. So that was Jessica. Uh, hopefully you guys appreciated that. That cute voice that she's got there. I'm going to talk about her later at the end of the podcast because I've been getting requests to include more stuff about Jessica. She might even interrupt us unintentionally during this podcast, whether she comes in here. The only time she ever really wants my attention is when I'm busy. You know, when I want to talk to her, hang out or catch up, she, she she's detached and in a different universe. But as soon as I sit down set my coffee down by my computer and get ready to write or do something like productive with comedy, then she, that's when she comes out of the world to work and wants to hang out. So I'm sure that as soon as she realizes that I'm recording my podcast right now, she's going to interrupt me or start singing. Uh, it's in her DNA to try and be as much of a distraction for Miguel old R2-D2 as possible. Anywho, 
You know what's interesting? And I don't know if you guys are going to get mad at me for making this correlation, but the Chiefs, you know, that represents... Uh, a chief is is known for being kind of the, the main boss of the tribe. Basically, like Andy Reid is the chief of the chiefs, right? Uh, and uh, it goes all the way back to the the Native Americans. That's where, I mean, ideal, it's a compliment. The Redskins and the Chiefs have been, some people have complained that uh, they, they shouldn't use those names for teams. Um, I think Redskins is more... Uh, derogatory personally than Chiefs because Chief isn't based on skin color. It's a title within uh, a certain group. You know, it's like a title, uh, you know, but a Redskin is is commenting on somebody's actual skin color. Um, So the Chiefs, I was going to say this, this is not funny. It's just a astute observation, I think. But uh, I think the Chiefs finally got their revenge on the 1849ers, you know. 1849ers just coming over, trying to take gold from, you know, from, you know, the the land of the Chiefs. And the Chiefs finally came back, said, no more of this, threw some tomahawks in their their backs. And, uh, you know, they uh, scalped them and took home the Lombardi trophy. So that's... What happened today in Super Bowl 54? The Chiefs got their revenge on the Gold Panners. Uh, no better place to be than Miami, Florida, the land of the gold diggers, right? That's Miami brought out the gold diggers from San Francisco, California, and all the women in Miami said, Shit! We don't need more gold diggers here. We don't want any competition. Da-da! So... Uh, I'm sure that I have some friends. I don't know. Maybe you got anybody out there that's listening. Did you guys, anyone go to the Super Bowl or know anybody that went to the Super Bowl? Tickets were like four to five thousand dollars. Four to five thousand dollars. Uh, starting prize plus, you know, all the other prizes that come with it. Probably, probably set you back like eight grand to get an entry level ticket. I do have one friend who. Uh, I know was in the game. Actually, had tickets. I think they were like five grand each. Him and his wife went. My buddy, Danny Relergert's older brother, Aaron. Aaron, shout out to you, bro. Obviously, a diehard hard Chiefs fans. He's always at games. Him and Danny are like every Chiefs game. And uh, Aaron somehow got tickets, and uh, him and his wife went. And I've been viewing his stories on Instagram and uh, uh, Facebook. And looks like a great time. Had some pretty amazing seats there, Aaron, behind the end zone. So I'm jealous. Uh, and uh, Aaron is a hashtag girl dad. He has uh, two daughters right now. I think they might even have a third child on the way. So congrats, Aaron. Uh, Danny is also a hashtag girl dad. We'll talk about this later when I get to that topic of Kobe to do my form of honoring him. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, in the meantime, I also know a girl, uh, there may or may not be a girl that I met in Chicago. Remember me talking about that at one point? She was down at the Super Bowl. Somehow she got tickets, so that's pretty crazy. And then I just know people that were down there. Uh, one of my fellow comics who's big diehard Niners fan, Dustin Hempstead, shout out to you for going down there and losing all your money and having the worst day of your life. I saw on Facebook right now after the Niners lost. It's going to be okay, my man. Don't worry. You can pick yourself up. Sometimes we got to know what rock bottom is so that we uh, can climb our way back to heights 
heights that we've never reached before and with humility in my opinion uh, I think that character is built in loss and uh, it allows you to come back stronger but hopefully uh, through humility which is very important and one of the reasons that I think Colin Kaepernick uh, just has just just plummeted after him after his loss with his uh, era of the Niners I think the reason he plummeted is because he uh, he didn't take the loss and really let it move him and affect him and, and, and handle it with humility. He just kind of brushed it off and was like, all right, we're going to do the same thing next year. We'll just gamble it again. But there was fun, something fundamentally wrong, obviously, you know, and I don't think he really took it to heart uh, in the way that uh, someone like a, a Russell Wilson might or, or, you know, an Eli Manning or someone like that. So, uh you know, I think I think Jimmy Garoppolo. Someone asked me, "Do I think Jimmy Garoppolo has what it takes to win a Super Bowl?" A few weeks ago, actually, this is before the Niners even went to the Super Bowl. I said, "You know what? I'm not sold on it yet. I think he's a great guy and he's got great potential, but I think I think that after this loss, based on his reaction, he seems like he he's got a, he seems Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't done anything to piss me off or uh, make me dislike him." Obviously, the, the wins or the losses, that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the character that I can see and read between the lines. Uh, I, I, think he has, I think he's a man of character. I don't know that for sure because I don't actually know him personally, but it'll be uh, very interesting to see how he handles this loss and they come back next year. Um, but if he's able to grow from it and really internalize this and let, him, let it shape him, feel that rock bottom, feel that pain... And, and try to grow from this with humility and through hu- humility. I, I, I think that uh, the sky's the limit for anyone if they're able to do that. You know, he seems like a very talented dude. He, he took some great shots today. He made some, some really great plays, as did both teams. And, uh, I mean, honestly, both teams deserve a, a big pat on the back, you know, for two awesome seasons, two great finishes. It was pretty cool. So not to just sit here and fluff both teams knut sacks but uh that is how i feel so it is what it is right um when i came to spain i don't know why i just sang that song it made me think of miami but i should when i came to miami i thought to myself what the fuckness you guys ever hear that song Uh, that girl's voice is so hot reminds me of shakira you know shakira she made my wiener All right, anyway, sorry about that. I apologize. Uh, My breakdown of the game, I think I've given you guys an analysis. I didn't go through and give you guys statistics. Uh, I don't think you need that. You can read the statistics on ESPN.com and formulate your own opinion based on penalties and, you know, number of touches, number of attempts and passes and receptions and turnovers and all these things. I'm not going to get into that type of breakdown for you. It's not my style. I look at the game as more of uh, when I watch it, I watch for momentum swings and I watch for, um, you know, patterns and streaks uh, of, of, of energy and, and, and dominance, if that makes sense, shifts in the moment, momentum of the game. And uh, I can at least give that much for you. So I thought both teams came out very um, nervous. I thought they both... In the first quarter, they both were really playing on their heels. They weren't really attacking because they were afraid of, of making any big, taking any big risks. Um, 
surprisingly, a lot of a lot of the game was done on the on the running side rather than the passing side. Uh, they started to open up a little bit later. The Niners were the first to strike. You know, they got a three points on the board, which was nice. Uh, you know, it's always good to if you can get some points on the board and get ahead. That can that can end up winning a game later. So any points are good points. Um, you know, they came back around. I think they, if I'm not mistaken, was it? Did the Chiefs score a touchdown? Yeah, I think the Chiefs came back and scored a touchdown. Then the Niners came back, scored a touchdown. It was ten to seven, something like that. So. What happened was there was a, it took both teams a little bit to rev up, and it was pretty even keeled until the Niners pulled away in the third quarter. So going into halftime, it was 10-10, uh, very, very just uh, gridlocked, right? And it, it basically zero to zero coming uh, out of out of halftime, uh, and a brand new game was starting where really the energy was was relatively neutral there. Uh, if anyone had the advantage going into the second half, I think it was the Niners because they're good at wearing teams down uh, with their defense, right? It was going to come down to how well the Niners could play defense this game and still hopefully put points on the board. So they came out third quarter, uh, and the Niners started to kind of break away from the pack. They started to turn on the jet pack and pull away. You know, they, they ended up pulling up to, you know, 20 to 10 at one point. But it was never over, and I never got comfortable or, you know, never started playing with my penis because I knew, you know, that anything could still happen. There was a lot of time on the board. And sure enough, when the Chiefs came back and scored uh, to make it 17-20, to 20, that's when I started getting nervous because all you got to do now is just get a touchdown and you win the game, which is actually exactly what ended up happening. So, um those were the shifts in momentum, and if anybody knows how to come back, the Chiefs do. Like I said, they've, they've proved it time and time again. They've done it in the playoffs, especially recently. Patrick Mahomes did not play uh, his best game, but he did what he needed to do to make sure that he did his job well enough not to let the team down, and the team played great. The Chiefs did play really well. Uh, there was mistakes on both sides, but they came together, and they came away with the W, and... Uh, Mahomes deserve a lot, of, a lot of credit. I'm not putting him down. I mean, to be that young and to come in and play with that much composure, of course he's nervous. You know who wouldn't be? Uh, so he's just he's. A, you talk about humility and and giving credit to the team. This dude is is so so good with that and and so gracious with his. Uh, he's just a good kid. You can tell he's he's a likable person. He's not cocky. He, you know, he reminds me of the Russell Wilson type. Both of those guys I really like a lot, you know. And, and Eli Manning, uh, different personality, but, but humble is the connection I think that they all share. Humble but confident, you know. And that confidence, how, do you be, how are you humble and confident? Well, that's where your confidence comes from humility, in my opinion, where knowing that you are human, knowing that it's bigger than you, knowing that... Your teammates are your lifeline. When you have that type of humility and confidence, that's when you can really soar, I feel, to your highest. Uh, Because when you're cocky and you think you're Superman and you are guilty of hubris and you don't know what what it feels like to hit rock bottom or you don't know... um, you know how how high you can fly realistically without having your wings and glue the glue to your wings melt like Icarus from um, that Greek mythology when he flew close 
too close to the sun. What are they? Hubris. He was guilty of hubris. I feel like uh, Colin Kaepernick was uh, guilty of hubris, and uh, the glue melted and he and he plummeted, which I am surprised that Nike invested in Colin Kaepernick stock rather than uh, shorting it, which is a finance term, which means betting against him. I, I've been betting against him from the moment that he lost the Super Bowl, not because of the loss, but guys, what did I say earlier? Because of his lack of humility at the time. So, And that was before he kneeled and did all that stuff. So, I do have a Colin Kaepernick jersey here, by the way, yeah, here in my closet. Um, but I sported the Niners, uh, Joe Montana. So anyway... Uh, I'm doing a lot of talking, and I'm sure that I've lost half of you guys if you don't give a shit about football, but for those of you that do or at least appreciate a true introspective, non-filtered opinion from someone that knows what the fuck they're talking about, um, then maybe you're enjoying this. So, um, what else? The commercials. So we can, we can move on. I think it's pretty clear. You guys have heard my breakdown of the game, so... How about the commercials, right? Half the people watching the Super Bowl, in fact, probably more than half, 80%, because everybody in the world tunes in on Super Bowl Sunday. It's the one football game that everyone watches, uh, probably the most viewed show on television. Uh, I don't remember if that's still accurate, or I don't have data to back that up. I just remember hearing that at one point um, somewhere from what I thought was a valid source. Uh... But it's a very, very high viewership there. That's why Super Bowl ads cost so much money is because of the viewership. So it's supply and demand economics, all that bullshit. Uh, the commercials that stood out to me, right? I, I wasn't paying attention to every single commercial because I, I care about the football more than commercials. The, the, the average citizens that, that don't care about football probably like the commercials better than the football. Well, you know, there's plenty of people out there watching the game that don't know anything about the game. But they probably <laughs> go along with it to blend in, or you know, just do it for the social uh, social lubrication. You know, having some drinks, some chips, maybe some some circle jerking. I don't know, you know. Uh, but uh, you know, the Super Bowl, the commercials that stood out to me. Uh, one, the, the Tom Brady commercial got me uh, lured in. Definitely, I was listening to see what it was going to be because. Uh, you know, he was talking. He he was he was setting it up as if he was going to announce that he was retiring. That's what it sounded like he was uh, about to do. And if that was it, I was like, what a weird time. I was thinking to myself, like, is he about to announce his retirement through a like scripted video during a commercial time? Like, this is interesting, but I guess it's possible. And it was a Hulu commercial, so the punchline was pretty funny. The reveal, you know, the the. Um, what do they call it in magic when you the prestige there's three parts to a magic trick the setup something the prestige and the reveal or something anyway his reveal aka the punchline of the whole thing was who it was a hulu ad uh and it it's probably means that he's going to continue playing so uh that was definitely funny i have to admit that was that was pretty funny uh and and it, it captured my attention. The next commercial that really captured my attention on a sentimental value, in fact, I think of all the commercials I saw today, this one was my favorite. Um, it was the Google commercial, and um, I just thought it was it was the reason it was good. Because I, I think a lot of uh, commercial ads really try to what they'll do is they'll bait and switch you, 
they'll like try to build it up to this like really like heartfelt meaningful thing and then they'll just like throw like mercedes benz at the end of it and they, and then everyone's like starts dry heaving because they're like i feel tricked you know i feel like you you really lured me in and you really fucking threw me for a loop there when you said the name of your company that you're advertising at the end and ruined the entire message uh that's not putting down mercedes benz as an example of uh, you know, I, I just used any company name out there to to explain how you know that's usually the the tactic, and it's it's just it ruins the ads in my opinion. It ruins that person's credibility that's that's doing the ad in my opinion. You know, like, like when Joe Montana did Skechers, Joe Montana Skechers is 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 a crappy shoe, and your stock went down in my book when you freaking did Skechers ads. Thank goodness that you dumped that and distance yourself from sketchers uh because that is it's ridiculous you know you're you're you made joe montana when you did sketchers ads you made them look better but they also made you look worse so you got you guys like like came closer together uh, is what happened there you know uh i love you joe if for some reason you're listening to this at any point in the future please give me a hug right now and know that i i'm wearing your jersey and i think you're you're, you're an untouchable um, icon in the world of football and sports and one of my favorite players of all time. Um, Joe Cool, baby. Joe Cool. Always never forget some of the great things you've done. So, um, Anyway, what else? Uh, what else did I... What, what stood out to me? So that Google commercial was great because it, it... Because the actual product that it was advertising was functional in the ad for what it was messaging so it wasn't just throwing in a random brand to try to associate with the message it was showing how the brand itself could be used as a medium for the message that it was conveying right storing memories right um it it, it struck the nerve hit the needle on the head for um you know actually using the product itself to get that sentimental feeling that 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 to, to tie it to the emotion that we all felt when we saw that which we're all gonna you know all human beings are gonna resonate with with uh somebody who the the old man in the commercials voice was was reminiscing on his life about the things that mattered most to him and as his memory was fading he wanted to rely on you know something that could have have like an objective detailed uh account of the things that mattered most to him like the things about his his wife who it sounded like she had passed away you know in the commercial so and it's obviously we don't think that those people are are that was an actual person it was it was an actor but what they were um embodying was a, a version of all of us that can be true at some point in our lives so that was really fucking good. Excuse my language, but I liked it. I really liked it. So, uh, what else? What else? Com- what commercials stood out to me? The Scientology ad. What the hell was that? You know, first time Scientology. First time I've ever seen a Scientology commercial was at a previous uh, Super Bowl, right? And then they do it again this year. It's like if you've got enough money. Uh, I, I, there's so many things wrong with it that makes me want to throw up, right? Uh, you can't spend marketing dollars on 
something that is supposed to be so deep, right? I believe you guys, if you know me and you've listened to my podcast, you know my definition of God, which is love. Um, that's that's my. You don't go out and spend money promoting love because you're being hypocritical. Uh, you're not showing love. You're you're when you could be spending that money. You know, however many millions of dollars that ad costs. Um, you could be spending money giving back and using that to provide more resources to underprivileged people or, or trying to help in different ways. So, you know, buying – you don't buy f- followers. And if you do, that's – I'm not into that really. – I'm not into any religion out there that, that looks into buying, you know, buying followers, uh, buying, you know – there's so many things wrong with it. And they say it's time for a uh, a rediscovering of the human soul. Okay. Uh, thanks, but I never really lost uh, sight of my own soul, so I don't need to rediscover it because I've already found it. It's, it's here. Uh, I've never given that up, so um, I don't need to rediscover my soul, but I appreciate the offer. Maybe you need to rediscover your soul because that statement is a little bit uh, condescending, quite frankly. So anyway, uh, Trump had a couple commercials. So he goes in my category of Scientology, which is bullshit, right? So, uh, you know, he he had two commercials that I saw promoting. I don't understand. Uh, at one point, I think he was saying that he didn't even want to become the president before the first election, and it was a fluke, so he took it over. If that's true, why do you want to st- run again, right? So you're you're a liar, dude. You're you're such a bullshit. You're such a bag of just like lying bullshit, uh, and 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 so stupid. I'm sorry, but he congratulated the state of Kansas after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl tonight on Twitter. And uh, Kansas City is not just in Kansas. Kansas City, uh, most of Kansas City is located in Missouri, and the Chiefs play in Missouri. They play in Kansas City, Missouri. And he congratulated the state of Kansas, and of course, people you know spoke out immediately, including Claire McCaskill, who's a senator at, in Missouri, and she screenshotted his tweet and said. It's actually in Missouri, you cold stone idiot. So when I saw that, I thought, skibbity bop, wayo. Uh, Clint McCaskill not afraid to call that dude out. Anyway, whatever. I don't hate Trump. I just don't like him. You know what I mean? There's a difference. I think that there's there's some things I like about him, but there's a lot of things I don't like about him. And um, the things I don't like are uh, just how... Literally, he's just got no filter, and which allows us to see the real him. And the real him is just crazy. It's just an insane human being with a large ego that just impulsively does and says things without thinking. Uh, doesn't think about how it affects other people. Doesn't affect, doesn't think through things at all. It's everything is just a reflex. He's just he's, he, if you say something to him, there's just a reflex thing that, that fires something back out, you know, some attack. If you if you bring up something like a differing viewpoint, he'll attack you, right? He'll feel like your his ego is so large that he'll just attack you for it. Anyway, enough about politics, but get it right, get it right, Trump. It's uh, it's Missouri. I saw that you corrected yourself, which is um, 
the right thing to do, but a hard one, a hard one to get wrong, Trump. It's like that 409K. The nine is very, very far from the one. So get your act together, my friend. Anyway, uh, what else was a commercial? I thought the recurring Tide commercial was funny with that guy. I forget it. I don't even know his name. Isn't he in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia or one of those shows? He's got that kind of like high-pitched, whiny voice. Uh, it was pretty funny. The see that keep coming back and putting them in different time periods. It was that's what they call a showrunner, guys. In the I learned that in the world of UCB, it's a it's a sketch or a, a bit that keeps coming back throughout, that's threaded throughout the show, right? So uh, that was pretty fun that they incorporated that into the evening. Uh, the Groundhog Day, the Groundhog Day was fun. That commercial with Bill Murray was appropriate today. It was Groundhog Day, and uh, it's a callback to the Groundhog Day movie, and it was funny. You know the different bits that uh, Bill Murray did. I mean, he's just he's he's great. You know, he's truly truly an amazing talent. Bill Murray has always been, and shows that he's still got it. So great job, Bill Murray. We love you. I hope that you randomly show up in my life uh, at some point. I'd love to work with you and meet you because uh, I think you're uh, the epitome of, uh, you know, just uh, great talent and uh, making shit, making shit happen, you know, the right way. So, uh, what else? The Pitbull electric razor. Did you guys see that freaking apparatus with the four razors that you do if you want to bick your head and look like Pitbull? When I saw the device, I started cracking up. I'm like, you gotta be shitting me that this is this is your okay, this is your George Foreman grill, huh, Pitbull? Um, it, if it works, more power to you, man. If it's a good quality product, more power to you. Uh, definitely funny though. And uh, when I say funny, I'm not laughing with you. Uh, <laughs> but who, you're probably the one who has the last laugh if you're making a ton of money from it. So who am I to? To judge. Um, in fact, maybe I'll end up using the damn thing someday. Who knows, right? Um, the concert before the game that you did, Pitbull, very, very fun. I gotta be honest. I gotta be that stage, the all-white stage there, and the dancers. I feel like that concert. I'm not gonna say the way you did it, Pitbull, with the dancers, or whatever. But like that stage and that like backdrop, like it looked like. If heaven had a concert, like that would be the stage and the and the backdrop and all that, you know, like that location. Uh, I feel like I was talking about this with Jessica. I, we think there would be different dancers in heaven, you know, but <laughs> we were talking about actually, and you know, heaven's some people don't believe in it, and you know, your definition, whatever. But let's not take it too literal here. But we were actually joking about this, and it, we came up with a good point. I was like, do you think that the women are like very beautiful in heaven because I, I don't think that the the beauty the external is what it's about right and she was like no but but then if you think about it maybe everyone's beautiful on the inside and the outside in heaven so maybe it was but I don't think they'd be wearing like sexual stuff because I don't think lust would exist uh in heaven maybe I'm wrong though maybe I I don't think lust exists there though. I don't think, you know what I mean. So, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe all the angels are having orgies. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you. Um, yeah, I'm not a 
I'm not. A, I don't. I don't have the answer to that question. But but I, I. I don't. I don't think the angels are having orgies. I don't. I don't think so. I think that. Uh, I would imagine that sex is not really a, a needed thing there because the sex. The reason for sex here on Earth is for reproducing, and and that's not necessary uh, in the afterlife, right? The the souls are already created. You know, there's no. You don't need to have intercourse to create a new soul. So. Uh, is this pretty deep for you guys or what? All right, let's talk some more super bowel movement, huh? Uh, I'm starting to get hot in this freaking closet with this robe. Um, maybe uh, the Church of Scientology w would sit me down right now and be like, "Sounds like you need to, uh, you know, rediscover the human soul." Uh, <laughs> Uh, let's 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 uncover this one together. Take this book, and uh, it's the same one that we give to everyone. It's the one that answers all the problems that you may have. All right. Uh, Trump's commercials talked about that, and we talked about the electric razor. So we can move on to the halftime show. Speaking of lust, uh, Shakira was unbelievably sexy tonight. I mean, holy heaven, that woman is dynamite and for her age and oh my gosh just I didn't realize she's married and had kids I was all tweeting about how saying that you know I wanted to mix my DNA with hers little did I know she she's married and she has offspring with another human apparently they uh, had intercourse and you know recreated life here on earth so I respect the sanctity of marriage and I will not step forward and throw my hat in the ring for Sh Shakira, I, I retract my offer to mix DNA. Uh, however, Shakira, if you do get a divorce at some point in life, I would love for you to show me that tongue move, right? I'm not even gonna say it. <laughs> I think uh, I'm gonna remain respectful and I, I would like you to teach me that cool tongue move, Shakira. That's what I would like as a gentleman, from one, as a curious scholar of learning about different cultures, I heard it's called the Zagrauta, uh, Z-A-G-H-R-O-U-T-A. I would love to respectfully learn about the uh, history, about that move, and what it means to you specifically, and then we could have a nice conversation, and I would treat you like a gentleman. Uh, all right, so that's what I'll say about Shakira very beautiful woman and she did a terrific job I think it might be the best halftime uh, performance I've ever seen I was uh, stiff the entire time talk about um, talk about uh, intercourse Shakira you were beautiful all right uh, did uh, did Taylor Swift ever do the halftime show I can't remember I'm sure she tore it up I, I there's been so many at this point all, all I remember is uh, Michael Jackson, I remember his back in the 90s when he did his 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 halftime show was so amazing. By the way, you guys got to Google that. That was probably the the best halftime show I had ever seen. He really he really tore that, knocked the lid off of that. Um, but he didn't do the Zagrauta for us. So, you know, I'm a I'm a fan of a beautiful woman doing that Zagrauta move. You know, <laughs> I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it properly. Uh, nevertheless, let's move on, right? That was kind of the synopsis. Oh, shout out to J-Lo. I think there's a lot of people out there that would be mad if I didn't give her some love. I, I don't, I feel neutral. I mean, she did fine. I, I don't, I don't have a problem with it at all. Uh, you know, but, but she doesn't, she doesn't give me that Miami spice that, uh, 
that Shakira does. Shakira was the perfect person to do a Super Bowl halftime show in Miami with all that 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 Hispanic whatever you want to call it vibe uh that Miami spice, you know, like see si papa, see si papa. I don't, I don't know. Uh, that's not sexy at all. I I can't I can't recreate uh I can't recreate uh, an impression of a sexy um there, who's who's Audrey, Audrey? No, I'm thinking of one of my favorite Miami porn stars, uh, who's who's got that that voice, you know. And, ah, ah, you know she, she she like she'll like laugh at a joke like ah, you know, and it's like man, that's ugh. all right. Let's let's not get too not get too sexual here, huh? All right, let's talk about Eli Manning, guys. How about? Uh, Eli Manning, that that episode last week with Austin Huff talking about him, whether he deserves to go to the Hall of Fame or not, that was a lot of fun having that having him on there. You guys got to check out his stuff on Cork Bats. I mentioned it last week. He's written some good stuff already, and just in the last week, there's a ton of content he's pushed out. He's going at a great pace. He's he's uh he's strong, guys. You know he's strong. So a uh, strong comedic writer and just a funny person. I think you could. You know, see through, see his personality shine through on the podcast uh, and the episodes that I've that he's joined me on here. Uh, but Eli Manning did. Uh, you know, this is a big week. This last week, his name has been circulating in the papers. This debate actually came up uh, quite a few times, and there's a lot of people saying, hands down, without a doubt, he deserves to to go to the Hall of Fame. Um, I think. Um, by the way, Michael Strahan, I think they're going to retire his, his number. The Giants are retire, retiring Eli Manning's number. And um, the the NFL football awards uh, were the honors. They call the NFL honors were the night before the Super Bowl, so last night. And uh, Eli Manning presented the Walter Payton Award to this year's recipient. I guess he was the, the award winner last year. Uh, I, I don't know how all that works, but he was there. Uh, and he just he represents a lot. Uh, of of sportsmanship and good stu- uh, being a good steward of uh, being a good citizen, a good person on and off the field. You know, he just represents that. First, he's a class act, right? And uh, they Saturday Night Live last night had a, a rerun of when Eli Manning hosted back in like 2012. I didn't I didn't even know that he hosted Saturday Night Live, but it was hilarious. I was watching. I was really tickled. He's funny. I mean, I've always thought that he has the—he's goofy and like happy-go-lucky, but he was legitimately like—it was a very entertaining episode. In fact, it was more entertaining to me than a lot of episodes that I've seen. He did specifically as a host a much better job than than a lot of hosts that I've seen out there. I thought it was very fun to watch him be a goofball on Saturday Night Live, and uh, yeah, it's the t- type of stuff I want to be a part of, you know, like. It's just it was, it was really it was it was a fun episode to watch. I I, I recommend it. I thought it was the actual. Epi- I didn't know they were gonna do one afterwards. I was when the Eli Manning episode got done. I was excited. I was like, I'm gonna go to bed. I'm gonna get some good rest. And then like the real, there was an actual Saturday Night Live that was live last night, uh, and it was another football player who hosted, who plays for the Texans. I I don't know his name off the top of my head. He's obviously doing a great job in the game of football. And they had a Rudy sketch. Which, by the way, 
Um, I applied to be uh, a part of that sketch in Saturday Night Live put out a like a, 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 a casting notice that they were looking for I guess extras that could play football players in a locker room scene and it was little that I know it was it ended up being uh, the Rudy sketch that they did that's not what it was called it was like the name started with an R but they were kind of like it was a parody of Rudy uh, different name, but a parody of Rudy, and kind of making fun of that walk-on mentality and, and how unrealistic it is or was for for someone like Rudy, which again I identify with. I was one of the Rudys, um, you know, that have have done, you know, lived the 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 avenue that that Rudy did, you know, the the life of the walk-on and. Um, you know, it was cool to... I didn't even watch the full sketch because I wasn't in it. I, I would have watched the full sketch if I was in it, but I was mad that I never heard back from SNL. Come on, is it not good enough that I was a football player in two movies, SNL, and played Division One football for the Missouri Tigers? What the heaven, guys, you know? Never even hearing back from you, you know? I thought it would have been really cool. That would have been so much fun, right? Uh, to have that be my first sketch on Saturday Night Live, uh, a Rudy sketch that's a parody of my life. Anyway, you know, maybe next time, huh? That's what the Niners are saying right now. Maybe next season, huh? Um, the NFL awards were fun to, to watch. Steve Harvey hosted. He wore a hot pink blazer, which is the most heinous thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, <laughs> I like you, Steve Harvey. Uh, that hot pink was was very bold, man. That was some bold stuff. Uh, but everyone was dressed up looking very great if you guys have you ever noticed that a lot of football players give it up for god first i think that there's something to be said about that and it's coming from a true place you can tell when someone's being genuine about it and when they're not and i think there's nothing more powerful than you know uh, someone who is literally uh, on top of the world you know that gives it up for for a higher power like that like there's nothing more powerful than that, I remember, I, I've seen it time and time again over the years. You know, someone will go up a, a National Football League, a National Football League uh, player will go up decked out at the highest level of confidence a human being can have at the highest moment of their life, and, and give it up for God first and foremost above everything. I'm, I think that's just so amazing, and it, it gives me goosebumps to be honest. You know. It gives me goosebumps because you know it's real, you know, you know it's real. Like, and and I think that that says something. I think that that sh that is a. You want to talk about that's more powerful of of of. You know, salesmanship than a freaking commercial that the Church of Scientology puts out there. I don't see any football players getting up there and saying, "Let's give it up for the Church of Scientology," you know, because it's a hoax. Hashtag impeachment hoax. Anyway, um, Eli Manning, Cam Newton, what are you doing dressed up like a freaking bozo, man? I've said it time and time again, you are not, you have not accomplished enough in the NFL to dress that way, dude. I, I see you trying to floss your swag, thinking you're so cool. Dude, you make me want to throw up. You make me want to throw up because you are so cocky. We talked about the difference between confidence and cocky. You have not earned the right to do that. 
and most of the people that have earned the right are too humbled to dress that way. I mean, I appreciate a great entertainer. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate a Muhammad Ali who, who, who does have both confidence and cockiness. I will say Muhammad was cocky and confident. He, was, he had it all. Um, I appreciate someone like a Deion Sanders who embodied a character, which I was watching him talk about it, you know, primetime, was a character that he played that he would turn on, uh, you know, when the cameras were on, when it was game day. I, you know, I, I can appreciate that, but primetime deserved to, to call himself primetime. He earned it, he embodied it, and he backed it up. Cam Newton, you haven't, you haven't shown us, you have not shown us enough to be walking around dressed like a, I don't even know what, you look like Nick Cannon. You look, you're dressing like Nick Cannon slash uh, an elderly woman or something. I, I don't know, man. So, watch me get attacked by uh, Cam Newton for saying all this. Whatever. You know, I, I stand by my word. It is what it is. Show us something, Cam. Show us. Um, what else? Uh, Steve Harvey. Your jokes didn't uh, all go over that well with the football crowd. <laughs> you know, I think some of those guys were, uh, it was a tough audience, but they were keeping it real with you, man. You know, it's, uh, some of that stuff was funny, though. Like, when you were, Steve, when you, when you were, I'm talking, I'm talking to people that I talk about. I'm talking directly to them today, if you notice. Uh, when you were interacting with the crowd and some of those guys' answers, I can tell it was scripted, but it was still really funny. Uh, and, uh. You know, when you when you were in the moments, you won you won the crowd back by when you tapped into being genuine, and I think that uh, that that's important on on such a. Everyone can see through the bullshit, uh, you know, on 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 sub, uh, such a high stage. Like if I was if I was hosting, I would run the same risk. If I was trying too hard to be funny and like I'm thinking too hard about a joke rather than missing the soul of of that night and honoring that night first and foremost, I I I feel like I'd run the risk of of things falling flat and if I do want to host that those awards um, I do want to host those awards someday to be honest and if and when I do uh, I promise myself that the most important thing about that night is staying genuine and true rather than trying to be funny the whole time you know uh, Paul Rudd was hilarious but it shined through because he was grounded with with his own version of his own truth and honesty and then he built the humor from there, you know, bringing his his kids out, and then making a joke about it that they weren't his kids. Like, he was he was the funniest um, person in that show that I can remember. So, Paul Rudd, shout out to you, Kansas City Chief fan. That's pretty cool. I'm happy for you, man. Uh, and he's a likable guy. You can't you can't not like Paul Rudd. He's 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 cool. So, uh, what else? Isaac Bruce is going to the Hall of Fame. Big shout out. It's that St. Louis greatest show on turf. It's been like 20 years since the Rams went to the Super Bowl uh, when they played the Titans and Austin Huff had his first heart attack. Um, Kurt Warner coming out of the woodwork. Uh, one person I haven't seen is Marshall Falk, but lately I'd love to get a little Falk talk. You know, they used to have a show after the greatest show on turf Sunday nights, 10 p.m. Don't miss Falk talk. <laughs> F-A-U-L-K-T-A-L-K Falk Talk Don't miss Falk Talk I remember listening to Marshall Falk talk about the, the mindset behind his uh, that he would you know embody and you know he would go out there and believe that he was the greatest player in the world and that's what you gotta do man 
That's what you gotta do. You gotta take ownership, son. It's called swag, baby. You know, take ownership. But anyway, maybe that's what, uh, maybe that's what, uh, you know, Cam Newton is trying to do. He's trying to, to convince himself that he's the greatest football player at all, of all time. But maybe it's because of his lack of confidence because he hasn't done it yet. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's overcompensating somehow, you know. So anyway, uh, Peyton Manning was uh, – I, I forgot that I do a, a Peyton Manning impression. Uh, this is my impression of Peyton Manning when he won his last Super Bowl, and it was just such a scripted speech, you know. Um, first of all, I would like to uh, say that the organization here, uh, I forget, uh, the Denver Broncos, um, it's been an amazing uh, group to work with. The fans are first class. Um, uh, right now, I will not comment as to whether or not I will retire. Uh, my first uh, concern is being able to see my wife and give her a hug and a kiss. And after that, I'd like to drink a cold Budweiser, and then we'll reevaluate from there in the coming weeks. Uh, but, uh, again, I'm not going to comment as to whether or not I'm going to retire. I just want to kiss my wife and drink a cold Budweiser. Uh, I don't think that was that good of an impression. I can hear myself, and I didn't like it. But he was, he, he was talking about his younger brother, Eli, you know, and recapping Eli's career and just saying, some of the things that stand out to me most about my brother Eli is just being a young kid, Following the, the Manning footsteps, uh, you know, just coming out of out of college and and, and being drafted by the Giants, and, and coming to New York uh, and just you know making it work in, in a big city with a lot of expectations, and you know, going to the Super Bowl and beating Tom Brady in the Super Bowl not once but twice in those. Uh, you know, that comeback that, that Eli had and the, the pass down the middle of the field in the Super Bowl and just it was an, it was it was a miracle that he didn't get tackled. It was a miracle uh, that he didn't get tackled and somehow he just got away and launched the ball and, and just an amazing miraculous play. Uh, Super Bowl MVP twice, 16 seasons. Uh, he's played he started consistently so many times and records with all the greatest you know number of touchdowns games started uh, and, and he's the type of person he is off the field as well uh, him and his wife have started a foundation and uh, giving back has always been important to Eli he's a, a family man he loves his daughters he, he, he's actively involved in their lives he's a coach to them and just, I, you know, Eli, for certain, deserves a place in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. And I just want to say that I'm happy that he's retiring because I really don't want him to have more Super Bowls than I do because then I will not feel as if I'm as good as my brother. And I don't want to have to... Have an argument at Thanksgiving dinners about how Eli has three rings and I have two. Um, 
honestly, it's it's good to call it quits here, two for two. Uh, we can say that we're equally as good in different times for different reasons, but uh, I'm secretly ecstatic that Eli is no longer in contention for winning another ring. All right, so that's my uh, that's my Peyton Manning impression. What else? Uh, speaking of Manning, I met a kid named Manny last week when I was doing comedy. Uh, cool kid, you know, he's from uh, Seattle, actually. We were talking about the Seahawks. And uh, this dude invited him, he, he invited himself over to watch the Super Bowl at my house. And, and he even said, dude, if you, you know, if you, if you need me to bring some people, I can too. I'm like, just... <laughs> What? I didn't even know how to react. I was like, oh, cool, man. We'll stay in touch about it. You know, I appreciate it. But he's, he's a cool kid. He's a younger kid, but I don't know. It's the whole idea. I've never, I didn't know people invite themselves over to other people's places, especially for the Super Bowl. That's, I didn't even say I was having a Super Bowl party, you know? He's from out of town, so just visiting. Just being, you know, good kid, though. I like him. Nice kid. Um,. What else? The XFL. This is the last thing I'll say is if you guys are sad that the football season is over, the XFL is starting. So it never ends. Some of my friends that um, they advise me to try out for the XFL first. If I really am serious about getting back into it, they think that that's more realistic, and then uh, you know get some good game film on me, and then maybe take it from there to try to present that to the Giants or someone to try out. But it's been it's been since December since I've trained now because of that ankle twist and. I don't know. I was talking to my buddy Caleb Medley today about comedy. Someone once told me I was I was struggling because I was starting to do comedy when while still playing football. And I was like, I don't know. Comedy's taking off. I don't know. Like, do I have to choose one, football or comedy? And they're like, well, what do you want to do? You want to play in the Super Bowl or do you want to perform at the Super Bowl halftime show? So. The jury's still in the air about being able to do both, I guess, as long as football's not, you, you know, the sky's the limit. Hey, through God, baby, anything is possible, right? Um, so, I guess time will tell, guys. The, the clock is ticking, so time will tell, baby. What if I just played a, the song by Clocks right there, like, you know, by Coldplay? The song called Clocks by Coldplay to be audio support for saying that the clock is ticking. Anyway, with that, I wrap up my football section of the show. I can move on. I can't believe how long I've already been talking. The show is literally an hour long right now, so that's nuts. I want to talk about what's going on in the world now. So I think the first and foremost thing that the elephant in the room to address is the passing of Kobe Bryant. Uh, it's been a it's been a, a week where this has really dominated the headlines above everything consistently everything from when we first found out all the way through um, you know things like uh, the the girl dad the hashtag girl dad social media and the different types of uh, w tributes that have been going on players you know even Richard Sherman honoring Kobe by wearing his jersey into the stadium when he arrived at the football game today to LeBron James' speech uh, at the Staples Center, uh, you know, and the, the 
the different things that they did before the Lakers played the other night uh, in the Staples Center to honor Kobe before the game, which was beautiful. The violin, the the videos that had been shown, and just the various words and tributes that people have shared. Um, I feel like one of the sad things when anybody passed, one, everyone is going to be affected differently when someone passes away and um, the world has reacted. There's been a bigger reaction to Kobe than, than a lot of deaths. You know, there's, there's deaths that take place all the time. And I think it's the connection when, when someone is hurting through the death of someone like Kobe Bryant, even if, they don't know him personally, even if it's not like a his family member or someone, a friend that that where they have communication going on. I think it's that we rec. When you feel hurt by it, it's for different reasons. I think it's that we have a connection with someone that we follow. I feel like I know Adam Sandler and Jim Carrey, and I've never actually met them. They don't know who I am, but I would be greatly affected. Uh, you know, if something, you know. When that day comes, it comes for all of us, right? So I should say when it comes, whether you know, who knows if it'll happen to me first or them first, right? Like you, you, nothing's guaranteed. So it's, but I guess the point is, is that it's the connection that we feel to that person uh, because we get to know some of these people. We follow them. We some of us look up to some of them, right? I think it's important to remember and, and be reminded that we're all mortal. You know, Kobe is just as mortal as as any of us. You know, and and I think some people some people seem to not some people seem to have forgotten in some ways that that is true. You know, I think they're completely shocked because they 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 view someone like him as superhuman, untouchable. You know, but none of us are. You know, none of us are. No matter who your favorite. Um, celebrities or, or, or maybe it's not a celebrity if it's a, someone that has just inspired you and, and done great things in this world uh, when we lost our hometown hero Riley Baker I didn't I never thought he was I never thought I thought he was untouchable you know he was a state champion wrestler first state champion wrestler at our, at our high school and I remember when when I was told that he had passed and it just it didn't make sense to me I was like that's not possible no that's that's not possible he's he's untouchable he's he's Riley you know and that a lot of people look at Kobe as untouchable and I think it's important that we do realize um that we're all you know um we're all part of the same thing in that way and that is that is a part of life you know and that uh, it can be gone at any moment in time that's why I'm always preaching to make the most of every day because if tomorrow didn't come will you have been happy with with what you did today your la you know if today was your last day will you have looked back and go yeah I, I did what I I was doing everything I could to maximize life and pursuing the things that I'm passionate about doing and as I get to know Kobe better through his death I think that's the point I'm making is sometimes the silver lining in someone's passing is that we get to know more about that person than we may have gotten to know if it didn't happen. You know, if you've noticed when you go to a funeral and people open up and share what a certain person means and has meant to them and shared how a, a certain person who has passed has impacted different people's lives, 
you know, th because of their passing, you realize, wow, you see so much more color and beauty uh, in that person, in their in the existence that they have and what they contributed while they were here. And I, I've been able to see more of Kobe through his death, if that makes sense, that I find beautiful, you know? And I know that uh, I always grew up a Jordan fan, so I didn't want anyone threatening the Jordan empire. I'm protective. <laughs> I've been protective of of that, you know, like, oh, LeBron, he's, he's no Jordan. Kobe, I used to say, same thing, you know. There, there's a big debate that has taken place for a long time, you know, who's who's the best of those three, right? But to even be in that conversation, to even be in the same conversation in some people's eyes as a Jordan, it's it's that's an amazing feat. And my mom has sent me some videos that Kobe has made in the past about the importance of following your dreams and how he had a, a, a guidance counselor once tell him not to follow basketball. And he was, you know, it was just Kobe Bryant saying, you got to do what you love and push to be the best you can be. If you listen to people, you know, tell you that you can't do something, you know, if you allow that to stop you, then then you're you're failing, right? You de you define your own destiny, right? And uh, I thought that that was pretty cool, you know, that that he liked to inspire so much, but was a family man as a father, uh, especially, um, you know, 41 years old. That's that's very young, you know. That's very young. They say a guy doesn't reach his his professional uh, peak until he's 40 years old, right? And you know, for some people, they're just getting started at 40 in their in their in their professional side. Not as a basketball player, he was obviously retired, but he was he was a lot more than a basketball player. We all know, and we we're all being shown that through 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 the various tributes, and some people already knew that, right? So, um, God rest his soul uh, and, and his daughter, and, and and give them peace right through this hard time. His family, right? I can't imagine. So, um, that's what I'll say about. Uh, Kobe, and uh, the the next thing I'll say is my friend Austin Huff, who writes uh, a lot of comedy stuff, made a, uh, a a post about Kobe, and it was a tribute, and it was funny without making fun of Kobe. It was re very interesting. You know, Austin Muth, Austin Huff, in my opinion, is a creature of light. I told you guys once that I took him to a frat party. And he wasn't hitting on any of the girls. He had no agenda. He wasn't drinking alcohol. And all the girls flocked to him. I think they could sense it, that he wasn't a threat, right? And their their guards came down. All the frat guys were staring at him like, what the hell is this? What the heaven is this, right? So Huff has this ability to, to bring light to situations. And he made a tribute to Kobe on CorkBats.com uh, that I thought was funny and honored Kobe respectfully. So I do recommend that. I, I don't think I think some comedians were getting in trouble for trying to make a joke out of Kobe's death, but you can you can make a joke out of anything, but you don't have to be negative in in the humor. You know, you can be positive with humor and and Huff uh does that. I try to do that as well, right? I try to do that as well oftentimes. 
Um, I think Huff is more naturally gifted. I'm, I'm pretty full spectrum. Huff is uh, pretty much only the light, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I saw this article. This is a moving on to the next topic, but the one thing that stood out, and I saw it like my eyes popped out of my head. I thought it was the most ridiculous thing, and I was laughing because it's so absurd. Is the headline was African pastor wants fifty million dollars to resurrect Kobe, right? And it's just like <laughs> that's I mean, how you even I don't even need to dissect that uh, because there's I could spend an hour dissecting dissecting that. But I'll sum it up by saying he's a witch. No, <laughs> uh, a witch doctor. It sounds like. Uh, anyway, uh, definitely some absurd bullshit, right? I think he works for this Church of Scientology. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not. I'm not trying to be a, a hater uh, on uh, Thomas Cruz and his. Uh, you know the the. The, the church that uh, funded Top Gun, too. But <laughs> no. uh, anyway, what's going on in the world? Um, Donald Trump tweeting about World War Six and calling this an, an impeachment ho hoax. Hashtag impeachment hoax. Hashtag if I would have listened to... If I would have listened... How does, how does his voice go? Um, it's going to be huge, yeah. If I would have listened to uh, John Bolton, you know, and, uh, you know... And this whole uh, impeachment hoax thing, you know, we'd be having World War Six by now, huh? Uh, World War Six, Donald. Okay, that's cool. Talking like a sixth grader again, right? Exaggerating just complete bullshit on Twitter. He tweets more than I do, and I'm a comedian. Some people might even say he's funnier than I am. I laugh more at reading his tweets than I laugh at my own tweets, so... <laughs> Trump, you're hilarious and the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but they turn off the cameras when his, hens, when his head starts to spin and he starts throwing up green vomit everywhere. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, it'll be interesting to see what happens. The impeachment uh, deal is uh, coming down to the wire. I think they're voting tomorrow or they're voting very soon. They've been doing the hearings all week last week, so we'll see if he gets removed from office. Um, Good old Trump. Speaking of uh, headlines and, and, and negative news, uh, Harvey Weinstein, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to that, but they've started the trial for him. One of the girls testified that he has a mangled pee-pee, a mangled penis. So I'm sorry to share that. That's Is that insensitive of me to, 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 to say that? Um... One of the girls, if I if I understand the story correctly, was saying that the first time she gave him a blowjob, she did it because she felt sorry for him because his penis was so ugly. Uh, which I'm sorry, miss, but that is consent, okay? <laughs> um, anyway, I don't know. Sounds like a monster, physically and <laughs> beauty and the beast. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think uh, Harvey Weinstein might have had a spell put on him by a by a beggar that came to his doorstep, his doorstep, and she he turned her away and she turned him into a mangled penis looking monster. Uh, and unfortunately, he's uh, I don't know it's some it's some 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 of the stuff that was in there about um, how he would go about 
this just sounded pretty graphic. Uh, apparently he has to inject his penis with something in order to get it hard. Uh, I don't know. Uh, disturbing. It sounds like... Yeah, it sounds like... Um... I have two paths in life because if you rearrange the letters of my name, you get either one sentence, which is do comedy ill healer, right? And I choose the path, right? That's one path. Laughter is the best medicine, whatever. And then the other path is, hey, CEO dildo realm. And when I think of Harvey Weinstein's mangled penis, I think of a, a CEO dildo realm for some reason. I don't know why. So I think that the path is definitely comedy that I need to be pursuing. Um... Yeah, it's weird. It's weird stuff. I I, I hope that uh, I hope that uh, the girls get justice for um, you know for for what they've been put through. So anyway, um, Taylor Swift had a documentary that came out on Netflix. I, I didn't see it, but I heard that it was uh, she was she was speaking her political opinion. Which was uh, not not a lot on, not, didn't like have a ton of stuff, but it was. I think the benefit for her is just being able to feel like she can be free. You know, it's funny how we, you know, appreciate such a such an artist like Taylor Swift, and we don't realize sometimes that they have been stifled in being able to feel like they can say what they want to say because it might tarnish their brand and whatever contracts they've signed in the past. Who knows? But uh, T Swift, you're awesome. So, uh, the coronavirus, have you guys been paying attention to that? Uh, it started in China. My mom and dad just got back from China. My mom got the flu while she was there, but she did go to the doctor back here in the States when she got home, and thank God she doesn't have the coronavirus. It's just, like, a flu. Um, but it's scary because, uh... New York already, I think they had their first case the other night. Now they're thinking, uh, last headline I saw is there might be two more cases here in the city. So, <sighs> China, thank you for, uh... I saw the movie Inferno last week, and uh, I don't know if you guys saw that one. Dan Brown wrote the book Inferno, Tom Hanks stars, and the, the concept behind the whole movie is that this rich billionaire realizes that we're overpopulating and the world's going to become extinct. Humanity will become extinct unless there's a uh, thinning the herd, I guess you could call it, you know, like a, like a uh, decrease in the population to, you know, make sure that our resources and stuff are sustainable. So he, like, takes it in his own hand to have this thing, like either a virus or something, spread and kill a bunch of people in the movie, right? So maybe China is, is doing that right now maybe this is their inferno right um yeah freaking inferno man dante's inferno in florence it was an interesting movie i my friend uh danny reads a ton he's read all the dan brown books damn daniels is what i should say right and I was like, hey, I'm watching Inferno. Did you read that one? He's like, yeah, yeah, the book's a thousand times better. I'm like, thanks, that makes me feel good. Glad I just rented the movie. Thanks for making me feel like shit, you know? Bragging to me that, that you read it and it's better. Yeah, you know? 
Anyway, I'm gonna have to wear one of those ch- those Asian masks on the subway. Maybe it'll be like the the antidote for the coronavirus. Is one of those Asian masks that goes around my face. You know. All right. Uh, there's another. The last thing I'll talk about going on in the world. Have you guys seen that that new documentary on Netflix called, about this guy named Jacob Appel? Jacob Jacob Appel. All I can say is is super 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 very smart person. He has a ton of degrees. He's like a doctor. A, psychologist he's a playwright a writer does all kinds of just like super smart dude uh there's this entire documentary about the uniqueness of this guy and and how he's one of a kind and uh anyway jessica my roommate is attracted to intelligence right so we were watching the movie and, and and i have to say he specifically shared in this documentary that he's never had him and his friends agreed that he's never really been a, a ladies man and it was it was it was funny because Jessica was saying I'm I'm attracted to him I think it's kind of hot like how smart he is <laughs> so I tweeted about it right I said have you guys seen this new D- Jacob Appel documentary on Netflix it's really interesting and now my roommate Jessica is attracted to him guys you're not going to believe you are not going to believe <laughs> what happened I I literally got a website submission, right? Anyone can reach out to me on my website, right? I got a website submission, and it was from Jacob Appel. And it was very respectful, it was very nice, and it was so funny. And I'm not making fun of him, I'm, I'm, I'm just sharing. <laughs> I, couldn't, I, I couldn't believe it, I was like, this is outrageous. Like I, I, I couldn't. Maybe it's fake. Maybe someone is pretending to be Jacob Appel, right? But either way, this person who reached out to me said, "Hi, I saw your someone. A couple people have directed me to your tweet, and uh, you know, suggested that I reach out and just want you know. He complimented me on my humor, telling me he thinks I'm funny, and uh, you know, and, and all this stuff. And he said, I don't know if you were joking about." you know, your roommate Jessica, but if it is true, feel free to have her reach out to me. Here's my email, right? So I'm not going to share what that is. That's private, guys. But uh, I cried when I saw that. Like, I, I laughed, but I also felt slightly slightly intimidated. I was like, this is interesting because I'm, I'm such an honest person that I, like, I feel like I can't because I do have some feelings for Jessica is what I'm trying to say. Even though she's my ex-girlfriend and my roommate, like, I still care about her greatly. And, and I wouldn't just want some person coming into her life and stealing her away from me. You know, we uh, we, we are companions, you know, in, in a lot of ways, even if we're not in a relationship or whatever uh, through the traditional constructs. So when I started thinking about it, I was like, I think it... Like it's funny, but I'm also like, like I'm scared, and it's it's ironic that the one person who publicly claims to be like very bad with women might be the one to steal Jessica away from me, <laughs> you know? Like, and I told her first of all, she like screamed out of like just multiple emotions. She couldn't believe it. She was laughing, but excited at the same time, you know. And she's like, please give me his email. So I haven't given her his email. I haven't given her his email yet. But uh, she now she holds it over my head. Anytime we're if we get in a fight, she's like, I'm, I'm, you know, she's like, I'm gonna go uh, hang out with Jacob Appel now. <laughs> 
Guys, if you don't, if you haven't seen this documentary, it's not as funny right now as if you have seen it. Okay, so go do yourself a favor and watch this because it is very educational and, and interesting. But the other night, like we got in a fight or whatever, and she freaking tells me she, she has a date with Jacob Appel. And here's the other weird thing: I actually want to go on the date with them because he seems really cool. If they do actually meet up, like I want to go too. I want to. I want to be like the third wheel, you know, but platonically because I'm like, I'm attracted to him non-sexually, you know, I don't know, maybe Jessica's not sexually attracted, maybe we're both attracted to him non-sexually, you know, maybe she has sexual attraction toward him also, I don't know, but, but I want to go on a three-person date here because, you know, one, I can kind of make sure that nothing crazy happens or gets out of control, you know, and two... I get to get to know Jacob Appel. So, Jacob, if you're listening to this, I'm very intrigued. I think you're awesome. I'd love to grab a cup of coffee with you, even if Jessica's not there. Is that possible? Is that an option? I know that you reached out saying that you want to meet Jessica, but, like, is it possible? To, is it also a possibility that we just grab coffee, dude? <laughs> I'm not being disingenuous. I, I'm, actually, I'm actually interested legitimately, so... Anyway, uh, what's going on in the comedy world? Um, there's, uh, I told you guys that Eli Manning hosted Saturday Night Live. Um, I told you that there was an episode about Rudy that I auditioned, that I, tr- that I was hoping to be able to audition for, that I submitted for. I didn't get the opportunity to audition that they did on Saturday Night Live last night. Um, apparently they had a, the, the, the opening sketch last night was about the impeachment with Alex Baldwin playing, playing Trump. So I, I, I'm going to Google that after this. I can't comment on it because I, I haven't. I wasn't paying attention. I was probably playing with my penis at the time, being thankful that it's not mangled like Harvey Weinstein's. Um, was there anything else that happened recently in the world uh, of comedy? Oh, the Grammys happened last week. I didn't comment on that stuff. But, or maybe it was two weeks ago now, I really don't even know. All I know is that one actor wore the most ridiculous outfit I've ever seen in my life. First of all, he's so funny. Like, he's so loud and confident. I don't know his name, sorry. But he's like this, he's a black gay man that's very flamboyant. And every time he makes a public appearance, he's doing something outrageous. And it's hilarious. He's like... It's like funnier than Kevin Hart. Like his outfit was funnier than Kevin Hart, but I could see Kevin Hart doing that. If that makes, he kind of looks like Kevin Hart in a way. I, I I could see Kevin Hart wearing this outfit. It was like this blue like hat that had like an electric. It, it was like it had an electric track where like these beads were hanging down from it and it was going around to the front covering his eyes completely and then it could like go back like it was like a a curtain of a play or something and it was really shiny and blue and like silver tassels hanging down just like in very big it was a huge hat The, the diameter of the hat was probably like two feet right much bigger than necessary probably couldn't even get through like skinny doors of bathrooms in New York because everything's so tiny because of the real estate when you're at a bar. I don't even think this hat could get through some of the bathroom doors in New York. Anyway, very funny stuff. So, um, What's going on in my world of comedy? 
Oh, uh, last thing I'll say in the world of comedy, Jim Carrey recently was like sitting down in an interview or something and Margot Robbie was there and he told her to her face sarcastically it's amazing how far she's gotten just based on the talent of her looks right uh Jim Carrey you're you're funny man that's I I, I didn't see it so I can't pick up the context but hopefully she didn't Hopefully she found the humor in it rather than feeling like a sense of being put down and maybe they'll fuck. I don't know. Who knows? Um, I mean, they say if you can make a girl laugh, you can make her do anything. So I don't know if she's taken or not right now or what their stati are, if they're in relationships or not. Who knows? But, uh, you know, Jim Carrey is pretty, pretty funny. Margot Robbie was given uh quentin tarantino that that look i I, (laughs) i'm not trying to hypothesize anything but yeah i wonder if there i wonder if margot robbie uh rotates the crop with quentin tarantino to get some extra scenes you know what i mean (laughs) i don't know now i if either of them heard this and they were like what are you implying you son of a Bitch, how dare you disrespect our professional relationship? I'm just saying it. It's possible, and that there could be motive there, you know, on both parties. Both parties uh, accounts. I don't know, but nevertheless, uh, talking about beauty and good looks, I have submitted my new headshot that Jessica helped me with to a bunch of talent agencies trying to get a commercial or I have a commercial agent but I've been looking for a, a one that will be better mutually beneficial I guess you could say because the one I'm working with doesn't there's not much activity going on between us not many conversations that transpire uh, I've been getting some some hits back and surprisingly it's from mostly modeling agencies which I'm a comedian it's like come on like Okay, uh, I'll take it, but and and uh, with with excitement because you know you can make some money and meet meet a bunch of Mario Robbies, you know. But uh, you know, it's like I'm a comedian, guys. Can I get some responses from the comedy agents or what? <laughs> Takes no talent, you know, to uh, to just smile in front of a camera. I mean, there is some talent to have an authentic, genuine smile. That that you got to be relaxed enough to be able to let that shine through. Uh, so there is talent in that. It's not just like, you know, modeling is like so hard, you know? People don't like, you know, it's like you have to put like one foot in front of the other, and then you have to put like the other foot forward, and then you're like, which one now? And you're like, oh, the other foot. And sometimes you even have to turn, you know? The turn is like so stressful. So that's my Bruno impression. Booyah, Shaka! All right. Uh... The modeling agents wants to fucks with me. So, I guess we'll see what happens. What's going on in the comedy world? This week I'm auditioning for Lloyd Knight at UCB. I've uh, been practicing with the practice group since our class ended at UCB for the Academy. Uh, emotions. Really fun, talented group of people, so that's been cool. been working with a coach who's uh, hilarious. Um, did a little stand-up last week, not a ton. Spent a lot of time doing outreach on the business side, agents. Did a couple shows late Friday night at LOL. Those were fun. Just opening it up. Dom Leonelli was hilarious. 
he uh, he was performing with me there, and uh, oh my gosh, he did this one bit. I I can't if, if I told you it would ruin it, so I'm not even gonna do that. Just know that I was crying, and uh, funny talented dude there. We got another. We got a sketch coming. I think I mentioned it last time where I play like a brute like Bruno's cousin basically in a sketch, and um, I'm excited to see how it turns out. I think hopefully my dad doesn't take it literally. You know, I put this uh, picture up on Facebook the other day of me, and, and he, for some reason he thinks that I'm wearing lipstick in the statement, and he's asking me about that, like, questioning me, you know? It's like, <laughs> uh, first of all, I'm not wearing lipstick, Dad, but secondly, like, I have no desire to, but but if I did have desire to, do, do we have a problem? I didn't realize that you, that that's a deal breaker for you. <laughs> you know? Anyway. Uh, that's pretty much it. I, I mean, I, I feel like we've I've done I've talked to a lot. We're an hour and thirty two minutes in. I I, don't, I always go over on time, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, somebody asked me to do more on Jessica, and uh, I'll probably do that for. I'll, I'll try to have a regular segment with her, um, each week. But you know, next time I'll maybe go into some some more funny stories. I think I did enough on her today. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that this is a good point to wrap up. I'm sure you guys are ready to, to get going and get to, get to whatever you're doing, whether that's napping, taking a dump, taking a shower, uh, getting to work, going to work out. Maybe you're working out right now. I don't know. You know, whatever you're doing, I hope you're, uh, living life to the fullest, even if it's not right this second. Well, hopefully it is right this second. I hope that this podcast enriches your life. Um, and I hope that it gives you some sort of fuel. Uh, I hope it gives you some sort of nourishment, you know, and fuel. So whether that's nourishment for your soul or thoughts that maybe you wouldn't have thought of otherwise or, or news updates or just laughter. You know, I, I've been reading this magazine about the, the health effects of laughter. Laughter actually is a direct... Um, uh, com- combatant of stress so it reverses the, the effects that stress have and stress causes a lot of negative health effects so laughter is a great uh, thing that helps the immune system and la- happiness and it helps us feel co- I was reading the, the, the actual psychological studies of like how people connect through laughter so when I'm doing an odd when, this is taking myself out of the equation, looking at it from the audience's perspective. When I'm doing a show and people laugh at certain jokes, people connect with the people that laugh at a certain thing. Like, you actually communicate through laughter, I was reading, which means that, say, I do a joke where maybe it's a little bit dark or uncomfortable for most people to feel comfortable laughing at. There might be, like, two people in different parts of the room that laugh really loud because it's so ridiculous but they actually form a bond with each other and also with me, right? But they form a bond in that moment because they both resonate, that they both resonate, that they found that funny. And oftentimes that's why we'll look at somebody when we see something funny. If you, if you notice when you're in a group setting, if you're, two people are laughing at the same thing, they'll usually look at each other, maybe hit each other like in the shoulder, like, <laughs> and, like hit each other or like hit, hit, hit the person's leg like as a, as a friend. Nice hitting, by the way, I should clarify. Like, just nudging. And it's like their way of saying, hey, you, you think this is funny too? Fuck yeah. And 
They did studies that people it it oh it loosens up social situations. People are more likely to have better social interactions because of laughter. And and I noticed that too. Like when I do these shows, sometimes audiences will not just want to talk to me, but they'll become friends with each other. It'll create the door. It lubricates social social interactions. So uh, you know, no, no big deal, but I am uh, an ill healer, and I do it through comedy. Do comedy ill healer, baby. You know what I mean? It's what I do. It's my calling, and uh, maybe that's why I got hurt in football. Maybe maybe God has a bigger plan. Or maybe I'll never get famous, and I'll just be going, hey, at the end of life, I'll be like, hey, God, why, why, why did you plant this seed in my heart to do comedy and waste all, the, all those years, like, not flourishing like and then and then I never like got anywhere like what's the, what's the deal with that you know hey but <laughs> um every day that I hear other people laughing especially as a result of my joke though makes it worth it makes the journey worth it so thanks guys for listening I love you God bless and uh the world will go on Niners fans don't worry uh we live to see, we live to fight another day, all right? So don't, uh, don't worry. We're all, we're all going to press forward tomorrow. So, all right, have a good night, guys. Have a good day. Have a good life. Have a good everything. Connect with me on social media, and maybe we'll have a circle jerk, all right? Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. By the way, am I the only one who's horny?